Welcome to the Design Imposter Podcast, where we unravel the enigmatic realm of imposter syndrome. My name's Monique Jenkins. And I'm Jessica Vallis. We're two agency owners who've boldly faced the reality of imposter syndrome. We'll share relatable stories and practical insights that empower designers and business owners just like you. Together, we'll help you conquer self-doubt and unleash your true potential. Get ready to unveil your true brilliance. Welcome to Design Imposter. Hello, imposters, and welcome to another episode of the Design Imposter podcast. Today, you're going to want to hone in and take some notes because we are sharing our secret weapons, our must-have Chrome extensions. Yes, Chrome extensions can make everything so much easier and more convenient, and we want to share some of our favorites so that you can use them in your business or in your life. Yeah, I use a combination of both, business and life, but they kind of all coincide because everything I do on my computer is for my business. So I can't remember the last time I did anything for fun on my computer. That's what a phone's for. I just watched Netflix on my computer the other day because I couldn't get the TV to work and I was like, forget it. I'll just use the computer. So I did something fun with my computer. I think the last time I did something fun with my computer, I was building uh, an Ikea kitchen and you can only do it on a desktop. <laughs> so I was just, you know, just pretending I had to have a me moment. <laughs> Wow, I get it, I get it. But let's jump in. Um, My clients, associates, and subcontractors love this one. It is called Loom, L-O-O-M. And I use it for quick video tutorials or just video check-ins. So essentially, you click this extension and you can be on any screen. You tell it where you want to record your video and you essentially just do like a video walkthrough and you can explain different things. So if I have a client and I want to explain how to make an update on their website, then I can show them the step-by-step instructions on how to do it and walk them through. Or if I want to share with them how to edit a Google Drive or make a change in something or explain a design uh, that I've created, I just record the loom and then it creates a link which is really convenient. Um, And you can delete them when you're done. So I think you get like 25 or 75, which is a big difference, Loom videos. And then um, and it's free, which is awesome. So then after a while, I just go back through and delete them, which is pretty cool. Um, I also use it for like if I have an intern or something and I want to show them how to do something or an associate or a subcontractor. It's just overall like a great tool for tutorials and just like checking in yeah i love uh loom i use it all the time with developers and project managers um i use it specifically to tell them that the design isn't right (laughs) Uh, i'm like this button ain't working this don't look good on mobile um but yeah so testing platforms specifically when i'm testing out design after i've already passed over a wireframe to engineers I go through in QA everything and I use Loom to let them know like, hey, you know, this button isn't exactly right or, you know, I'm getting some like weird configurations or things are slowly loading or whatever the case is. I am able to use uh, Loom to show them exactly what I'm talking about. I think sometimes it's a little difficult to describe when you're writing out like what the problem is, but because they can see exactly what I'm seeing on my screen. Uh, our engineers are able to like tag a specific action or something inside of an interface so they can go back and look exactly at the action that I took 
and be able to dissect what exactly is going wrong and to figure out like stats on how many times it's going wrong with like different audience segments and things like that. So I absolutely love uh, Loom. And I also used it at a company when I went on maternity leave. I created a bunch of Loom videos about like file structures and how the design assets needed to be labeled and stuff like that to pass off to the designers that I was leaving behind because they were relatively new to our organization. Um, and just being able to explain like where things are located, team structures, all of that jazz in a much more friendly way than just giving them a block of text. I really, really found that it was helpful for them. And I think they found it to be helpful too. I still wrote 14 pages of content, but I also (laughs) included video snippets for all of the respective sections. And that was helpful for me. And now I use it as like training. So you bring a new person in, I can use this. 15 page maternity doc that I set up for training. I completely agree. Um, There's a difference between sending somebody instructions with like screenshots in an email versus having it live and showing them exactly where you're clicking, what you're doing, demonstrating that, no, this actually doesn't work. Or look at this. This is where it goes and redirects to. So when they can see it live versus you just saying, oh, it doesn't work. I think it makes a huge difference. And I think it's great that you were able to use it for maternity leave. I know that for Wells Fargo, this would be completely blocked. And there's a lot of places that I'll be like, no, you can't have Chrome extensions. But if you are an agency owner or a freelancer, this is definitely a tool that you need to have on your on your computer. Yeah, I agree. What about you? What's a, what's a must-have tool? Um... I think for me, a top one would be uh, UX Check. Um, It is a Chrome extension that you use to pinpoint usability issues through heuristic evaluation. Uh, If you don't know what a heuristic evaluation is, it's a technique aimed at uncovering design flaws within a user interface. um, And it ensures that your system is user-friendly. So there are 10 principles of um, Jason, Jacob Nelson's laws and you essentially go through in this Chrome extension and label things that are not correct. So for example, um, if you click a button and there's no action, you can use this Chrome extension to highlight the button that doesn't have any action. You can label one of the 10 uh, rules that it's breaking and you can write a little bit of uh, content about it. You also can select the severity of how it breaks the rule. So maybe... You'd have a severity one for like type that isn't correct. Like uh, maybe like they missed a, a block of type and it's a different font or something like that. You'd have a severity 10 if uh, you clicked a button and it didn't go anywhere because the user is waiting and they don't understand what's happening. So I use that all the time when I'm initially starting out with a client and running through their website to make sure of the things that I'm kind of missing or things that aren't user friendly as we're like going through a project, I can start to say, These are all of the problems that I've seen so far. And a heuristic evaluation is your own evaluation. So it's you going through and doing all of the like QA work on a site that you haven't touched yet. I was just going to say, this is a great quality control tool. Yeah. Even if you're not in UX, if you're just a web developer or website designer, just running this plugin and then saying, oh, shoot, I forgot to format this text. Or like you said, the buttons Uh and... This sounds great. I did not have this installed, but while we were talking, I went ahead Mm -hmm. and installed it. So yeah, (laughs) I'll uh, I'll have to give my review as a non-UX designer. 
Yeah, it's really good because I use it as a checklist. I'm like, oh, Monique, don't forget that, you know, this button doesn't work. Don't forget that these links don't work. Don't forget that da 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 And after you finish, like, doing, you know, all of your critique of this specific site, you're able to download it as a Word doc. And then that oh, way you snap. just go through and check it off. Yeah, it's oh, super that awesome. Sounds, yeah, that sounds great, especially if you have some associates mm-hmm. or interns or somebody else who can go through. Like, this yep. definitely alleviates a lot of time now can you put this in like mobile view as well and do it yes yes so if you use your inspect tool i think you can put it in mobile view and do it as well you can't do it natively in the application but give it a shot i I always get two people to go through a qa because you're going to find different things you're going to focus on different things just depending on like what your like specialty is and then you can combine your list together and now you have a cumulative list of all the things that are incorrect about a site Another must-have extension for me that is a perfect learning tool for clients is Tango. And it is a step-by-step written instruction guide. So if I have a client who is maybe working on a newsletter and they don't know how to format their newsletter or which newsletter to pick, then I can turn on the Tango extension, go log into their MailChimp, or uh, wherever they have their newsletters. And then I can show them like, I click this, then you click this, and then I do that. And in place of a video, it's just another form of learning. So Tango goes in and it records and writes out the action that you did. So it'll say, click login, and then it'll take a picture of the login screen. If you write in text, it will take a picture of the text that you write in. So if you're giving like a prompt or something. Um. And I also use this too for if I'm giving instructions for, hey, I need you to add me as a, you know, give me delegate access on your GoDaddy. And so then I can go in and create them. And once you create a couple of your to-dos, then, I mean, you just save these to your library. And anytime you have a client that has this question, you've already got the, you know, the answer to it. It's written up in your language. When you download it, it There's a paid version, of course, and there's a free version. And when you download it for free, it's going to have the Tango branding on it. Um, I don't generally try to have like 30 pages worth of instructions. I might go up to six pages total. So when I open the PDF, it'll have the Tango logo at the bottom. And I just go in and I replace it with the Harford Designs logo. And then I might just delete the Tango cover letter and add my own custom cover letter. But again, because I'm reusing these multiple times, it's a little bit of work that, you know, in the end, everyone appreciates. And I don't have to go in and take these screenshots and format and write the text in. And it does allow you, after you've, like, completed the actions and you, you're ready to save it, it does let you go in and delete steps. So if you accidentally click on something too many times or you hit the back button, you can go in and delete it. And you can also elaborate on a step. So I might say... um, or, or the, the program might say, you know, click the login button. But I might add, click the login button on the top right-hand corner under the big blue whatever. Or just save. a bit more instruction. Yeah, so you can go ahead and edit. So that's my, that's a big one for me. I've never used Tango, but I'm going to because uh, I find myself having to type out the same things. I'm not as diligent with you in regards to clients. And clients always ask like, hey, We've never used WordPress before. Can you show us how to da 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 da? And I'm like, sure, sure. Let me write that out. So I think that this is a good, like, like you said, time saving method and showing someone how to do something. 
there are things inside of a WordPress application that you're going to have to show 50 different clients. And if you can create this super interactive kind of guide that's visual because people don't read and pass that off to them, I think all the better because you're able to like, you know, do all your due diligence, pass it over. They can look at it and follow the things or follow the guide step by steps. And then even if they come back to you with issues on their end, like problem shooting issues, you probably will have another client who has something similar and you can always add that to your overarching guide. Like if this happens, this is what you do uh, kind of thing. So I haven't used Tingle, but I certainly will. You don't even need to be a designer necessarily. Like if you work in finances, for example, and you wanted to show your client how to register for, you know, a special account, you could click through the steps and record it. And then again, add your own branding. But if you are a designer, another way you can use this is with course creation. So I started creating a course about, you know, building the perfect about us page. So in addition to, you know, having a template and writing things out on the actual page, I went through and like, clicked record and recorded the steps on like how I did this or just like learning the design program. Um, I haven't finished this course yet. It's been in the works <laughs> for like a year. I know I only build courses during my downtime, which is usually like December, January, and then it picks up again. So yeah. we'll get back to courses whenever. But again, it's a really great learning tool for your clients or other designers. Yeah. Nice. Uh, my next one is going to be, it's technically two. I'm going to give you two on a couple of these because uh, there are applications that I started with and then applications that I later migrated to. So uh, first one is what font. Um, and it's a Chrome plugin that's used to identify fonts you see while exploring the web. So if you've ever been to a site, you're like, oh, this is a super cool font. I know the perfect use for this with a client or project that's coming up, I want to use this font, you can use the uh, Chrome extension to figure out what font it is. So I absolutely love what font. But then eventually I found Font Ninjas. uh, And that's really good because it allows you to bookmark that font and come back to it later. So it stores the information about the font um, and it tells you where you can grab the font from. So it'll tell you if there's a free source you can grab it from or if there's a paid uh, version of the font that you can uh, grab it from. So I find that super helpful because I, there are a million fonts that I've seen that I've like, oh, this is so cool. I will say with Font Ninja, I think it gives you like five fonts before you pay for it. Like if you want to have unlimited amount of fonts to store, but the first five are free and I believe you could delete them and then add more fonts. At least like once you figure out or once you use them in a project or something like that. I do have Font Ninja installed on my Chrome, but I can't say I've actually used it before. Really? I feel like I have so many extensions at the top and I just, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to pick and choose which ones I really want. So yep. that one just never made it pinned. So now you're making me go through and figure out which ones I need to unpin and repin. Yeah, I, I literally did it like a couple of days ago. I was like, mm, I use this one more. Let's move this up the pile. I don't use these anymore. Let's move these down. So I I uh, highly recommend and reevaluate the uh, Chrome extensions that you have pinned up here because I believe that I've probably pinned some that I'm like, I'm never going to use that. Yeah, there's I've got, I, I'm literally doing this as we're recording. <laughs> I'm like, OK, yep. get rid of this one. Get rid of that. Uh-huh. Um, and it is always helpful 
to know what font you're using. There's a, like the free one. What is it? What the font or fonts.com. Yeah. And you'll put in a picture of what the font is. And it never comes up with like the paid, you know, boundaries that everybody knows. It always comes up with these free downloads, which if you're a designer, yep. you should know. Don't go for the free downloads because um, you don't know where they're coming from. And uh-huh. they're just a lot of them are just really sloppy. So um, it's always good to pay for your fonts. Yep. But um, yeah, I always have problems with what the font. So, well, you use Font Ninja. It's really good because I'm like, it shows you what the font looks like regular, what it looks like italicized. It tells you if this is a system font versus a font that you need to go purchase from somewhere. Like it gives you a lot of context, which I like because I'm like, oh, I'm probably the likelihood of me saying like, I'm going to go look at that later and not get back to it extremely high extremely high (laughs) so i need to like someone to store all of that information somewhere so i could be like oh i know where i could find some fonts and like it's just a good like space for me to come back later and be like oh i know i have some killer fonts saved in font ninja and i can go back and look at those when i'm starting a project what does it even matter we all know you're using poppins and montserrat so i know (laughs) we have a problem (laughs) the same fonts on repeat but I'm trying to get away, guys. I'm trying to break free of the addiction that I have to the I know, but they're just, font. they're just, it's just so clean and I know, but everyone's symmetrical. Using it, I know. And that makes me not want to use it. I know. Gotta fight it. Um, all right. So this one is one of our favorites is Quillbot. And yes. when I'm doing anything in a Word document or I'm um, not Word. Google, because let's be honest, I haven't opened Microsoft Word in, in ages because we work on a Mac here. And uh, or if I'm adding content to um, a client's website or if I'm adding a blog post, I have the Quillbot extension. It opens up. Um, you're probably going to want a paid subscription. I have the premium one. If you yep. don't have the premium one, you only get a couple, like maybe a paragraph that you can put in at a time. But with the paid version, you can put in like an entire, you know, page of text if you want. And then you've got the different modes. So this is also really good for if I'm doing something quick on social media or I don't even know. I just I just pop it open all the time and I'm like, let me see how I can do this different. Yeah, I um I'm obsessed with Quillbot. I will say. I have never used the Chrome plugin. I have it. I downloaded it. It's up there. I just never go to it. I legitimately just use the .com. I do have the paid version, but I don't know why. I just, I'm like, I know where I can go real quick. Also, there are like five people in my family stealing my uh, login for Quillbot uh, just to use it for like the relative things that they're doing. Brian uses it to like curate his emails now for work and stuff like that. So it comes into great use in this family that and chat G- chat chat. I'm never gonna get this right, guys. Chat GPT. Yeah. That program too. Um, okay. Real side note about chat GPT. My husband had never really heard about it until this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I'm I keep talking about this, like on the campaign trail. And somebody messaged me uh, afterwards because they don't like me. And that's going to happen when you're in politics. And (laughs) I mean, if I'm going to be in this position, I was like, you know, let me bridge the gap. So I wrote an email and then I put it into chat GPT and told it to rewrite it. Um, 
And my husband was like, and I read it out to my husband and he was like, wait, what was that? And I'm like, you know, this is AI. You can tell it to do anything. So then he pulls it up and he's like, uh, he's telling it like, write a murder mystery as if I'm a little baby. <laughs> and then it was like, there was a big scary man, period. <laughs> he's trying to hurt people, period. <laughs> So then he just went to town on it. And I was he was like asking me questions. And I was like, you know, there is an entire podcast episode dedicated to this. If you want to listen yeah. to it. I don't have time to listen to it. You don't have I time Brian, to I listen to your wife's podcast. Every, sing, every <laughs> single one. Every Monday. He's probably the first person who listens to, to us on Mondays. He's like, I just put it on. And I'm like listening. And I'm like working. I'm like, yeah, you better support. Trying to pay these bills, bruh. Uh, but yes, I get the first <laughs> the first time I gave it to him, I think it's still my first, um, my first like chat GTP like history thing is like he was like, write a hundred page paper about the Civil War. And it did. And I was like, Brian, where are you gonna use this? He was like, I'm not, but he started reading it. He's like, Oh, this <laughs> oh is pretty God. good. I was like, What's wrong with you? No one's gonna read a hundred page paper about the Civil War. He's like, This is super interesting though. So he's been using it oh my for like, emails ever since. But I was I that is my first thing. Also, Chad GTP, if you listen it, bruh. GPT. Get GPT. Sorry, I can't get your name right. <laughs> I told you you need to change it already. But I'm saying you need to add some search functionality to this because like I know keywords of things that I've used for chat GPT, but I don't know where the hell it is. And trying to scroll back through that long list that I have on the side of all the things that I have ever asked it, I hate it. I hate it. Where's the place where we can use or test with me? Because I'm really having a problem with like finding the stuff that I need to. Specifically, if I'm like, write this in a conversational tone and it's perfect. And I want to go back and use that same like chat window. So I keep all of the things about conversational tones in the same place. It'd be making me so mad when I got to go through like 50 different like prompts that I've asked this program to do because it, it won't let me search. I'm just oh. saying. Do this uh, for See, me. I generally keep them all organized together. So there is a design imposter thread. And now it's like it understands the role of design imposter. And uh, I don't do that. I just keep it all organized in one thing. Or if I'm writing a blog entry or um, what, what did I do? I had a friend, an associate. She needed to rewrite a bunch of blog posts for a client. So I was like, we're going to use ChatGPT because we just need it for the SEO. Like nobody's actually mm -hmm. reading these articles, but we need to get keywords in. And I was like, keep using the same ChatGPT screen so that it like stores that data and it like really understands who the client is. So, but anyways, that's just like a little side thingy on I, I'm telling you, like, I don't, I, I didn't do that at first. And I have like 57 different things that have in design imposter stuff in it. And I'm like, oh, it got this like really, really good in this one chat. And I want to keep using that one. But having to scroll through to find out what the hell that happened, bruh, I, I ain't got time. I just be like, okay, I guess we started from scratch again. Um, so yes, if you, if you could do this for me, Monique, come on, your friend. Uh, just make search functionality so that I don't have to continue to go through this or just filter functionality so that I can figure out how this is all going to work for me. I'm just saying, give me a chance. Give me a oh, chance to thrive. There is a chat GPT for Google extension, which I'm sure it's been there for a long time, but I have not used yeah, it. I haven't and used that one either. I'm loyal. It says display chat GPT responses alongside search engine results so i might have to i'm gonna add this yeah. one and, and test it out and i'll let you guys know how it goes in an upcoming episode 
All right. What do you have for us? What's another one? Uh, the other one that I use pretty frequently is called Color Picker Tool uh, Gecko. It lets you create color libraries from any website that you visit, um, which I am obsessed with. Um, I'd routinely go to sites and be like, I like this color palette. I like this scheme. And it lets you, um, just like you can inside of like any Adobe product, it lets you create like a library for that specific thing or specific site. You could name it and then you can start a new library that you want to have for something else. And I freaking love it. Like it's absolutely my favorite. I'm using it all the time. I have one that has our design imposter like color scheme in there. I have another one that has our color scheme for our new business in there or what I'm thinking of for our new business in there. So <laughs> I love it. It gives you all of your values, your RGB, your HS, L, all the all the things, all the things it gives you, and I freaking am obsessed with it. And you can download them. Oh, Love nice! It. So when yeah. you download it, does it give you all the um, color codes and everything? I don't know because I don't use the downloads, but it gives you an SVG file, so I'm assuming that. Oh, it does. okay, okay. I'm downloading oh, yeah. SVG, but I I just downloaded it. Did it give you the color codes? Yeah, it gave me the hex codes, the RGB, oh, nice. and the HS. I hate when I have to like open up illustrator or another program because <laughs> somebody sends me their branding guide and they don't have the hex codes i'm like come on what are you yeah. doing here oh my <laughs> but, i mean not. i guess if you can just go to their website and grab the hex codes that would be amazing yeah i do it all the time i'm absolutely obsessed with this color picker tool and brian just told me about another one the other day he was like i'm not a designer but i use design stuff too I don't know why he's using <laughs> I have no idea. I'm like, I don't know why you're using it. But he uses one called Color Hunt that I've never seen before and never heard of. And um, it's the same thing. It's like curated color palettes, but it has a functionality um, where you can add the Chrome extension. And in the Chrome extension, you can tell it every time you open a new tab to give you a new color palette scheme. So instead of like opening a new tab and seeing Google, I open a new tab now and I see a different color palette scheme. And I'd be like, I really don't understand like why he's using this. (laughs) And I don't want to tell him that it's good, but it's good. Um, Okay. I don't know how he came up. I don't know why. I don't know how, but he has a color palette. I'm like, this is very design husband of you. He has a color palette plugin. It's called Color Hunt. Color Hunt. All right. I don't know if I'm going to be downloading this one because. I already have so many things. I know. I know. Me too. But every time it gives me a new color palette, I'm like, ooh, this is nice. (laughs) I feel like that's the hard thing is finding new color palettes. And it's nice that you can go on a different site and be like, ooh, this is nice. I want to save this. Yep. Um, Because, you know, I think I did this the other day where I took a screenshot and it would have just been nice to just grab all the colors. Yeah. Um, so many screenshots. I've taken so many screenshots of people's websites and then brought it in Photoshop and then use the eyedropper tool, figure out the hex code, and then write the hex code down somewhere, create a color palette, and it's just exhausting. Just give there it to me. There needs to be a better way to sort out yes. screenshots and be like, yes. this one is because I like the design. This one is because I like the colors and the fonts. Yes. But I guess that is the whole point of this episode is to make life easier with these Chrome extensions. Yeah, we need to make a Chrome extension on screenshots. Oh. I got that. So this tool is specific for website designers. I mean, really could be for anybody, but it is go full page and it is a screenshot 
of the entire web page from top to bottom. So you're not just taking a screenshot of what you can view. You can take a screenshot of the entire thing. So if you are a website designer and maybe your client wants to see, oh, how far along in the site are you? You can send them a full page screenshot and be like, here you go. Because if you've done this once, you know you will never do it again, which is to send them the development link. So if they want to check in and see, oh, how does this look now that I changed the text? It looks like this. And we're not, that's it. That's it. You could see it one time, but that's it. You're not going through the development site and you're not refreshing. Yeah. Um, but I also, in addition to sending this off to clients to review, I also use this for my mock-ups for my portfolio mm-hmm. or for like, you know, grabbing different phases of a project. Yeah, I use this for like sitemaps uh, whenever I'm working with clients. So like I routinely have to do like a site architecture. I revise the architecture with clients and I copy all of their website pages. Um, first I need to know how many pages we're going to be redesigning or like what can be templatized. Uh, but second, I want to know what it looked like before we touched it. Like how much content was in each section? It helps Mm -hmm. me to tell them like, Hey, you need to cut some stuff here and things like that. So I routinely go through the entirety of someone's website and I copy all of the pages and then I do too. I like house the ones that are like nested and things like that. So I am absolutely obsessed. I heard about this app or this um, Chrome plugin from a coworker of mine named Jeff. Uh, He's like, it's amazing. You have to use it. And I've been obsessed ever since. Yeah. I usually have interns like make the mock-ups and then I'm always like, you know, make the mock-ups one for me and two for you because you get to use this. So Mm -hmm. sometimes when they grab screenshots of things, they'll grab like from the logo to the end of the navigation and mm-hmm. then they put that in the mock-up and you're like, oh, it's so like, it's way too big. It's like, it yeah. would never be this big on a computer. So use mm-hmm. the full page, grab the whole thing, get the buffering, the white space. And it's awesome. I use this Chrome extension too with the sitemaps because I take before and after pictures. And I love to have that side by side to show everybody like, this is what the page looked like before. This is what it looked like after. And when you download it, It'll open up in a new browser window and you have the option of downloading it as a PNG or as a PDF. Um, PNG gives you the screenshot all in one view and the PDF breaks it up into multiple pages, which I'm not a huge fan of because uh, sometimes you want things to be in that PDF. And then if you do open it up in Photoshop later, you got to align it. You just want the highest quality, but that's not a PNG. So um, it definitely has flaws and maybe I'm just not playing around with the settings enough. but. Um, you know, because we're all busy. But I love this tool. I use it all the time. Um, anytime I have a website, before and afters at least, and then if clients want check-ins uh, and it's not during a meeting or something. Uh, also, I really do like the fact that when you do use Go Full Page, uh, it saves all of the websites that you downloaded screenshots from. So if you go to your files, you can see everything that you have ever downloaded. Oh, I have, <laughs> I feel like a noob. I have never done this before. All right, I'm going to just take a screenshot of something random on Google and then see what happens. Okay, I see an edit. Oh, okay. It has layers more. Okay, I'm going to just have to play with this more because <laughs> I did not know it did this. 
Um, it is yeah. kind of annoying though, because like I took a screenshot of a Google document and you can see everywhere that it's like, oh, Quillbot wants to make a recommendation to change this. And there's like a oh. thousand markers. So, yeah. you know, it's not good for every application, but that's why we talked about, you know, yeah, using um, Loom and um, Tango. So you can also change the image format. Like if you don't want to natively see PNGs, you can change it to JPEGs if you want JPEGs okay. specifically. Goodness, I thought this was my tool. I know it's really out to be your tool. <laughs> I love it. I, I think I, You're always teaching me things. <laughs> in hindsight, I think I passed this one to you. I can't remember. I think I was like, oh, somebody in my, uh, somebody named Jeff told me about this. And you like, may Here. have. You may have. Uh, I don't play around with it as much as I am claiming to right this second. But um, I recently saw that you can go back. So I was like, I know that I screenshotted something. Where is it? Um, also... It saves me from having to like download the screenshot of a page that I've probably looked at 17 times and have 17 different versions of somewhere yep. in my downloads. Yep. <laughs> um, do you have any others for us today, Mike? Mm-hmm. Let me see. No, I told you about that. I have so many that I just need to test out, but I just haven't had an opportunity. All right, I have one more before we sign off, and that is SVG Grabber. And it will grab all the SVGs on a page. So um, you click it, like I just pulled up Harford Designs, I clicked SVG Grabber, and it pulled up all the icons I've used on the site. It pulled up my logo, which is an SVG. And then there's like a couple others. I can't really tell what it is because it might be a white SVG. I don't know. Um, but that's a really useful tool if you need to, like, grab somebody's logo or something. I love that because I'm always, like, the amount of times that I've worked with clients. And I mean from Deloitte to Joe's Warehouse, who sent me a freaking JPEG of their site that was in a low resolution. I'm like, what am I going to do with this, guys? What, where is your designer? <laughs> What am I going to do with this? And me having to like search the web to find some freaking version of their uh, vector. That is the worst. That is the worst if you have to go on Google and type in like Wells Fargo SVG file. Like, mm-hmm. let me just open the site and grab it. And because yes. sometimes they really like, they really embed that SVG file because they don't want people taking their, mm-hmm. you know, their images. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Or sometimes you're like, you know, the client and like, hey, can you send me your logo, like all logo versions? And they only send you the pixelated JPEG. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, <laughs> I use brands around the world for like everything. But they have like the oldest version of the logo sometimes and not the new ones. Uh, but they have a if you're looking for someone's logo, I promise you, they probably have it. Um, they have downloadable vector logos for almost every single company out there i won't tell you that it will be the latest version of the logo but it will be a version of it nice um although interestingly and in the realm of like companies not having access to their svgs or um or eps or or ai versions of their logos i heard an argument on instagram the other day from designers that they don't provide their clients with the vectorized version of their logo they only provide them with a JPEG, a PNG, and like a PDF of it. And they were like, if they have a good designer, they'll know what to do with those. What? What? 
I don't do that. I gave them everything. They paid for everything. Exactly. I was like, look, I don't, I tell clients all the time, you're not, if, if we're working on a logo together, you're paying for the final version of your logo. Any ideation that happened, you might see that again in the world. So don't worry about that. Cause that's, that is not yours. You're not buying all of the experience. You're buying this specific instance that you like. I was like, but why are you guys not giving them their final files? That's crazy to me. If I, if someone, and I, I mean, I guess now hindsight being 2020, I've had a lot of clients say like, I don't have a vectorized version of my logo. I only have a PNG of it because that's the all the designer gave me. Apparently designers are not giving high res versions or vector you know, versions of their own work. I had a, a client that they were a marketing agency and they kept just sending me these like, JPEGs, PNGs, and I'm like, can your designer just start sending me like the SVGs? Because, oh, they also started sending me the PDFs. And I was like, I mean, I know you guys are designing it. Can you maybe just send me all the files? Because I have to, you're making me do an extra step. I got to open this in Illustrator, Mm -hmm. save it as an SVG. I got to make sure that you've outlined all your fonts and everything. Uh So, um, yeah, just give give them all the files. Give them what they paid for. Exactly. Don't like it, guys. I think that's a wrap. Yeah. If you guys have any recommendations on Chrome extensions, uh, we'd love to test them out. Give us an email at hello. Oh, we've got a new email, by the way. Uh, hello at the design imposter podcast.com. No Yes. Reach us up. Reach out to us. Talk to us about things. All right. Bye. As we wrap up our captivating journey on today's episode of Design Imposter, we want to leave you with an empowering message. Self-doubt may be a universal experience, but it should never define your worth or potential. Embrace the power of your unique voice, trust in your intuition and abilities, and continue creating fearlessly. Remember, you belong in this space and your contributions are immensely valuable. Know that you are never alone on this journey. We stand by your side, ready to support and celebrate you and your business every step of the way. Thank you for joining us today and being an essential part of the Design Imposter community. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us at Design Imposter Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and leave a review to help other imposters find us. Until we meet again, keep those headphones ready.